Well, I hope you've enjoyed our uh, Christmas Around the World series the last few weeks. We've been highlighting all the ways in which we as a church, year-round, try and serve and give to people around us in the community. As a church, we love to give here, near, and far, and we've been partnered with Happy Church for many, many years. In fact, we have a team down there right now distributing the gifts that we've collected on the giving tree uh, this weekend. Today as we talk about Christmas, though, I want to show you what makes Christmas a unique motivation for serving other people, for giving to other people, for caring for one another. Meaning there's lots of people who are not Christians who give and serve in incredible ways. But there's something unique about the Christmas message that actually motivates people who believe that it's true in a very unique way. And that's this, that we believe that God has called us to do unto others as he has done unto us. What if we do unto others as God has done unto us? Meaning Christians believe God has done something, actually historically done something for us that was incredibly selfless, incredibly generous, incredibly sacrificial. And if you really believed that the God of the universe gave to you, served you, sacrificed for you, that would be so humbling. You'd say, wow, I want to do unto others what God has done unto me. And there's a summary of the Christmas story actually in the book of Corinthians. Very interesting one. Here's what it says. It says, For you know, those of you who come to realize who Jesus is, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the word grace, when many of us think of grace, we think, oh, that's that thing we do before dinner, say grace. But the word is far more than that. A good definition of grace would be this. When you give or sacrifice for someone who doesn't, does not deserve it. When you give or sacrifice for someone who does not deserve it. Have you think to yourself, who does not deserve forgiveness? I have a list. Of people who do not deserve forgiveness. Who does not deserve service because they're entitled or they're lazy? I've got a list. But grace is when you give generously and sacrificially of your time and energy for someone who does not deserve it. And the main message of the Bible is that you and I don't deserve it. That our good deeds, as good as they are, are not adequate to receive the gift. We're not worthy of God. We did God a favor and he owes us as a payment. That God gave his grace to us and was generous to us when we did not deserve it. And because God did that to us when we did not deserve it, we want to do unto others as God has done unto us. That's a real unique motivation and meaning of Christmas. And notice here, the writer of this letter is a Jew. And Jews believe in monotheism, that there's one God. That's the very essence of Judaism, that there's one God, not multiple gods. And this is shocking that Paul, a monotheistic Jew, would apply God's holy name, Lord, to a human being. The grace of God, the the demonstration of God to us, His grace, was that the Lord, God, became a human being, Jesus Christ. Now, if this had been expressed by a pantheist, for example... That's what the Native American Indians practice, pantheism. This would not be shocking. The idea that there's a little God energy in you and me and a little bit in Jesus would be like, yeah, that makes sense. There's some God energy in Jesus. He's the Lord Jesus, just like you are the Lord Chad, the Lord Beth. That would be interesting, but it wouldn't be shocking. If this had come from a Hindu religion, it wouldn't be shocking. 
There's billions of different types of gods, and Jesus just turns out to be one of them. Oh, yeah, he's one of the, the, the pantheon. If this has come from the Greek-Roman culture, that would have been very unremarkable. Because Zeus was always disguising himself as a human being, and Hermes, that's what he does all the time, as he disguises himself as a human being. But to have a monotheistic Jew write, I discovered something totally antithetical to my belief system, that God, the God of heaven, came in the form of a human being was, is a shocking statement. So don't miss it. Don't miss how shocking that is that a Jew would write that. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he goes on to say, let me tell you what the main message of Christmas is about. Let me tell you what the main message of the Bible is about. The God who owned it all, the God who had it all, he had peace, he had comfort, he had the penthouse of the world and universe. He who was rich with peace, rich with comfort, became poor, became a child, limited his omnipresence. He who was rich became poor. Why would he do that? Why would he come as a child in a stable? For your sakes. There's his motivation for you and me. So that through his poverty of coming from the penthouse to the outhouse, you and I would be rich because of his poverty. So God who was rich became poor so that through his poverty we would become rich and have access to the, the, the reign of heaven with him, access to full access to his peace, his joy, his servant heart. Again, you may not believe that this really happened, but just bear with me for a second. If someone did really believe that, do you see how that would create a very unique motivation for serving and giving? Wow, if God did that for me, God who was rich became poor so that through his poverty I could become rich. Wow, then I want to do unto others the way God's done unto me. Because he who had it all gave it all. He who owned it all sacrificed it all for me. So I want to go and do the same to others. And that's exactly how Paul applies this when he's writing to the Corinthians. He says, guys, the application of this is a lifestyle. You guys have heard about some areas that you can give to, some people who are impoverished, some people in difficult circumstances. You who began thinking about this, you who began uh, desiring to do this, I want you to complete this by looking for people in your community. You were adopted by God, look for people who need to be adopted. You were served when you were poor, go serve people who are poor. You were served when you didn't deserve it, go be generous and forgiving and, and withhold judgment to those who deserve it. And this becomes an incredibly unique motivation to financially give of your time, treasure, and talents, not just to be a good person, but because God did it for you. I don't know what that looks like for you this Christmas season. Whether you believe that or not, if you do, what does it look like to complete it and to live it out? I worked with this uh, friend named Glenn four or five years ago. He told a story this week I heard. And Glenn said one of the ways he wanted to express his faith is in light of what God had done him for Christmas. He wanted to find ways to be spontaneously, secretly generous. So he walked into Walmart. He decided for a couple hours that he wanted to pay off people's layaway. So he told the people at the store, and they said, well, it kind of works on a case-by-case -case basis. Each person comes in. That's how we know the amount. Otherwise, it's hard to know how we do that. But we love what you want to do. So what they did is they set up a register over here where he pretended like he was getting his layaway. Then he set up another register over here. So a person would come up, you know, I really need to get my, uh, my layaway for such and such. And this person would say, thank you, Betty White. I would love to get your layaway. 
which would allow this person at the cash register to go, Betty White. Okay, it was $95.42. I pay that off. So that's the system they had in place. And he said he kept his back and he told them, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. It's a secret giving. I want to give people who won't even know. So a woman comes up to the second cash register and, and he's there with his back turned to her, but he can see her in his peripheral vision. And she's like, yeah, I need, I need to pay off my layaway. My name's such and such. And they pull it up. Meanwhile, they're, he's paying it all off. And the lady from Walmart came over and said, all right, your, your final bill will be one cent. You must have the wrong name. I owe about $100. She says, I know, but your balance has been paid in full. Oh, minus one cent to receive it. She said, now you sure? Check again. Here's what I ordered. This and this and this. Yeah, this and this and this. She takes a step back and she begins to cry. And she begins to just weep. It's uncontrollably weep. In fact, so much so that the, the woman at Walmart is starting to weep. She, she composes herself. She comes back. She says, you've got to tell me who. The person told me they, they don't want people to know. You got to tell me. I got to at least send him a thank you note, please. And she pushes and pushes and pushes because she wants to say thanks to somebody who paid, which which she she couldn't pay and couldn't afford. Finally, Glenn hears her pushing so hard he actually turns to goes, "Tell you what, I don't want to thank you, card, but I'll take a hug." And she's like, "You did it!" Oh, and she throws her arms around him. She said, "Can I tell you what my year has been like? This has been the hardest year of my life. I have felt like nobody cared. That God's given up on me." I went through a horrible divorce. My husband left me. I'm raising three kids. I'm working three jobs just trying to make ends meet. I could not afford these gifts I put on layaway. This is literally my last hundred bucks. This is like our, our budget to, for meals this week. But I want our kids to have a nice Christmas. And because you've done this, I, my kids and I are, are going to actually eat as well. You are a Christmas miracle. And Glenn said, I stayed there all morning incredible story after story after story, some of which I didn't reveal, some of which I did. He said, you know what? I got filled up with joy as I emptied myself for other people. And that's what I want to try and propose to you today that Christmas is really about. That Christmas joy is like a bucket and it refills the more you empty it. It fills back up. You pour it out, it fills back up. Christmas joy is a bucket that refills as you empty it. At the end of the day, do you think he wants that money back? No, what God did in him, the refilling that happened. And he would say his expression was, I was doing unto others the way God did unto me. He paid what I couldn't pay. He did what I couldn't do. He served me when I was in poverty. He who was rich became poor. That through his giving of poverty, giving of himself, I would become rich. And today I want to try and give you three really good reasons. Really good reasons why giving of yourself will replenish you with replenishable joy in fact the bible talks over and over about replenishable joy in fact it says i want your joy to be full that's why i'm writing these things to you that's why i want you to know about the the message of, of the bible is because i want you to have more and more joy in your life a joy that replenishes itself in your life and this is true not only in the spiritual realm it's true in, in the physical realm when you got married you were in love with your spouse hopefully you still are but you were in love with your spouse then you decide to have a child when you had that first child, did you go, there's only so much love to go around. So I'm going to give three-fourths to my spouse, and i got a quarter left over for my son or daughter. No. When you had a child, what happened? The joy went up. The, the love went up. 
Your capacity to love uh, exceeded, it replenished itself. And then you say, wow, this is kind of nice. Let's have a second child. And you had the second child, what happened? Well, there wasn't enough to go around because those second children are never loved well enough, right? They, they got the short end of the stick and that's why you're so bitten. No, no, what happened? Your love went up. You love them just as much as the firstborn. I'm a firstborn, by the way. Sorry for that secondborn. You had more capacity for joy, more capacity for love for everybody. You, you weren't having to divide up the pie. The same thing is true. God says what you see physically in your life is true spiritually. The message of the Bible is that God is three in one. And when before time and space, he was enjoying submitting to one another, celebrating one another, conversing with one another. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were just filled with joy. And they said, we can't keep this to ourselves. We don't need to create man because we're lacking something. We want to create man to share the love, to share the joy. And with every human being created, the joy expanded. The more he emptied himself by creating people in his image, the more joy there was to go around, the more forgiveness to go around, the more peace to go around. So if that's true as a family, and if that's true in a spiritual sense, let me give you three really good reasons why you should consider emptying yourself to be replenished with joy. The first, a guy named John is writing, and he says, Christmas really happened. It really happened. Meaning, if Christmas is a nice story, then it's kind of some good lessons to learn. But if it's just a nice story, eh, I might do it, I might not. But if it really happened, God really did this for me, then what really happened historically is more of a motivation to try it personally. It's not just a nice story that it happened in. No, this, somebody tried this in history. God literally emptied himself and joy went up. If it really happened to someone else, historically and factually, maybe it can really happen to you and happen to me. John writes and says, guys, we were there. We saw it. We were there from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We heard about it. We've seen it with our eyes. We looked upon it. We've handled it. This is not how you start a fable a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So you don't have to believe in the Bible, but let the Bible speak for itself. It is claiming to be historically true. John is saying, we were there. We saw it. We touched it. We handled it. We saw him heal people. We got to teach it. We got to see the people he was healed. We saw him raise himself from the dead. It really happened, folks. And if it really happened in history, maybe that same truth of emptying yourself the way God emptied himself could happen to you. Because something is true in a story. It's different from something happening in history. There's more credibility to that. There's more facts to go, huh, well, let me try it. My friend Steve did that. I talked to Steve a few weeks ago. Steve runs a nonprofit, and they had raised several million dollars that they were using to help eliminate the evil of sex trade in a particular country. And he wanted to do unto others what God says he's done unto us. When we were enslaved by others, by ourselves, God came to rescue us, and he felt motivated to do that. The problem is he'd raised millions of dollars, but they got it to the country, and the place that needed it couldn't get access to the resources because of several politicians that it had to go through to make the decision to get it funneled correctly. So they have this big meeting in the country, and he's so frustrated, my friend Steve is, because the money can't get from where it is to where it's needed. And he says, why is that? And he says, we've been working for months. We need person A, B, C, D, or E to meet with us, and none of them are responding to our calls. <laughs> So he goes out that night for a run. He's been an athlete for many years. He actually played college ball and was very, very good. As he's out going for a run, he sees a pickup game of basketball going on. 
He's like, well, this will be interesting to see how they do that here in another country. So he's just watching. One of the guys playing looks at him and he's like, you good? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to gawk. Yeah, I'm good. No, are you good at basketball? Now, he's a Christian. He wants to be humble, but you've got to tell the truth. I'm good. I'm really good. He's been watching them for an hour. They said, if we put you on our team, will we win? Steve said, yes, we will win if you put me on your team. So sure enough, middle of the night, he gets recruited on the team, and they play for a couple hours, and they slaughter the other teams. Just slaughter them. He doesn't realize this is a legitimate tournament. Guy comes out at the end, passing out money for everybody who played. His team gets cash prizes for winning the game. Like, wow. The guy who recruited him off the side's like, you come back tomorrow. We'll play for big prizes, big tournament tomorrow. He's like, I can't come back tomorrow. I, I got, I'm here in the country. There's you know, some sex trade things going on. We've raised a bunch of money for it, and we're trying to get the money in the hands of people. That's really why I'm here. But thanks. No, you're going to be here tomorrow. No, no, I really... He's like, what's your problem? I know lots of people in the city. Well, we're trying to meet with person A, B, C, D, and E, and we can't get them to take a meeting with us. The guy looks at him and he's like, Really? Well, I'm person C. <laughs> really? Yeah. Tell you what, you come back tomorrow, we win this tournament, I'll take the meeting. Steve went home that night, prayed, God, give me basketball strength and victory in Jesus' name. Came back, they killed it, they beat everybody in the tournament, and sure enough, that was person C. He took the list, and they got the money funneled into the proper place to stop sex trade industry in that country. Now, do we all have amazing stories like that? No, but isn't it amazing that somebody who said, here's what God's done to me. I see a need in the world. I'm going to use my fundraising abilities. I wouldn't even imagine God's going to use my basketball abilities. But he just made himself available, stepped into different moments, and just was able to, to kind of be open to what God might do, and God used it. He would say, because it really happened in history, God came and, and helped us when we were in trouble, maybe it could really happen to me. God would use me to do some amazing things. So the first reason I want you to consider emptying yourself is because it really happened two christmas is really expensive and it was really expensive for god that might sound funny to say well he's expensive for god he's got all the resources in the world if there's a god well it was really expensive john goes on to say listen the god of the universe omnipresent all-knowing all-powerful he manifested himself his life was manifest in the life of a human being and we bear witness to it. I'm telling you, we saw it. We saw the things only God could do coming out of this thing. And we're declaring it to you so you will know about this. This eternal life wasn't some ethereal kind of concept. We saw it. He was the life. And he offered us the life. And it was, he says it again, manifested to us. I say, why is that costly? Well, whatever God is, he's a multidimensional being outside of time and space. So he's at least four dimensions, meaning he's outside time and space. For a four-dimensional being to become a three-dimensional being is very, very costly. Look at what he gave up. For a time being, he gave up his omnipresence. You're a three-dimensional being. Imagine I tell you, for 30 years of your life, you need to live on a two-dimensional screen in a comic book. You have an X and a Y axis, but you have no Z. How frustrating would it be to be nothing more than an XY plane, like in geometry, You've had freedom your whole life, and now you cannot step forward or back. Very, very limiting what you gave up. But you wanted to relate to the people in, on the screen. You wanted to relate to the people in the book. So you became like them at a great cost to yourself. 
But he goes on and says the cost was much more than just becoming a child. That was a huge cost. But the ultimate destiny of that child was to die on the cross and to become a propitiation for us. For our sins and for the sins of the whole world. Well, what does that word mean? That's a religious word. Well, it's a word that means really, really costly. If you've ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, it gives you a picture of the Ark of the Covenant, the God box. Wherever the God box was, was God's presence. On the top of the box were two angels with wings and faces pointing straight down at the top of the box. The top of the box was called the mercy seat or the propitiation. Now, what is mercy? Mercy is not giving people what they deserve. Grace is giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. So I want you to think for a moment about everything you've ever done wrong. Chad, we don't have that much time. Just for a moment. If I was going to say, how many unkind words have you ever said? To coworkers, old bosses, elementary school, swing sets, junior high, high school drama. How many times have you been unloving to your spouse, impatient, insensitive? How many times have just you not lived up to your own standards? You told other people not to gossip, but you gossiped. How many people, how many times have you lusted after somebody else's wife or somebody else's daughter or somebody else's husband or somebody who is not yours? How often have you coveted, been jealous, lusted after power or ambition or made yourself nothing more than your reputation? Or how many people like you turned yourself into a number? Now, whatever we can assess, right? Because you've got blind spots, right? Because your spouse and you know, your kids have been telling you all the other things you don't realize. But of the things we can realize, we're going to throw those all on the top of that, of that ark. And those two angels are pointing down. And they, if, if God gave you what you deserve, based on the list we just made, what would you deserve if God gave you a fair punishment or a fair consequence of what you've done wrong for everything you've ever done wrong? How well would you do? I'm like, that's not good news. That is not good news. I hope God grades on a curve. But if God gave me the just consequences, the fair consequences, not these crazy, just just consequences for everything I've done wrong, it's bad news. And so the Jews had a day that the whole community would bring everything they had all done wrong, and it was represented by the top of the box. And those two angels were, were aiming down the just consequences of what everyone had ever done wrong. And they would take a very expensive, perfect, blemish-free animal. And that animal that was innocent, had done nothing wrong, it was very, very costly, had to be the best of the best they owned, would have to die. And they'd cut its throat. And the blood from that animal would be poured on the top of the box into the mercy seat or the propitiation. And as the angels were, or, or the consequences were coming down on the top of the box, that blood absorbed the just consequences, so the whole community could know they were forgiven. And this is the same word used by John to describe what Christmas is about. Jesus came as a baby, but ended up on a cross so he could be our propitiation, the mercy 
giver. He absorbs the consequence of what we've done wrong so that you and I can give mercy to other people who don't deserve it. Family members who said stupid things or didn't say nice things, and you're like, you know what they deserve? I do know what they deserve. But you're not going to give them what they deserve because you're going to do unto them the way God did unto you. It's one of the reasons we serve around here. I was walking in last week through our back hall where the volunteers come in. I'm like, you know, the place was just piled up with presents. Piled up. The reason we serve other people is not because they're always grateful when you give the gifts, by the way. Some people are really entitled. Is that all you got for me? We give because God was merciful to us when we weren't particularly grateful and we weren't particularly thankful. In fact, I was walking through the hall. 870 families at City Gospel here are going to have Christmas because of the generosity of our church. We have, like I said, people right now down at Happy Church distributing gifts to 50 families and kids who are getting Christmas gifts, as you saw in that video, because of the generosity of our church. We're motivated to give it great cost to ourselves because it was costly to God. Interparish Ministries, they gave us several families to adopt. So many got adopted this year, they said, well, we'll bring you some more. They actually got to adopt more than they even planned this year. The reason we go here, near, and far, we partner with Belize, we partner with Back to Back, we partner with all these ministries because we believe strongly in giving here, near, and far at great cost to ourselves, giving up a vacation, using our resources to leverage it to help people who we don't even know who can never give us anything in return. That's why we do what we do as a church. It's Christmas season. Realize Christmas, it really happened, it's really expensive. But if that really filled God with joy, maybe it could fill you and I with joy too. My wife and I, every year, every month, we give a a large percentage of our income to God's work here at Horizon. We give 10% of our income because we believe in the spiritual education that happens here for our kids. We believe in a place that, that, that kids drag their parents to church. We believe in a place that teaches the Bible and teaches people how to apply the Bible. So we give a huge percentage of our income here. But that's not all the giving we do. I hope the same thing. I hope you're generous all over the world. I hope one of those places is here that you're giving to your own spiritual education, maybe giving to our our, uh, video project that we're working on right now. So I hope you do that in the next couple weeks. But I hope more than that, you're looking for all kinds of ways to be generous. Beth and I, last June, we were praying about, hey, besides our giving to Horizon, God, what might you be prompting us to do? Every year we do this. We we keep margin for places to, to engage money into God priorities. Well, there's this couple we've known for many, many years, 30 years, and they, he has a divinity degree, she has a master's in education, and the two combined for 30 years have worked in this little ministry in central Illinois, and the two combined make less than minimum wage. Just angers me, actually. And I've talked to them so many times, like, quit, 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 find a better job, find, you're, you're near retirement, find a better job, find a better job. I've even got them better jobs. And they said, Chad, we are working with some of the poorest communities in central Illinois, who are not going to get a Bible education. They're not going to have kids who have families that love them and tell them that they're cared for. They're coming out of very difficult circumstances. Our ministry can't afford to give us more. We feel called to this. <sighs> How do you beat that? What are you going to do about retirement? Well, they just celebrated this th- a few months ago, their 30-year anniversary. And so we've been given to their ministry for many, many years. The ministry sort of approached them and said, we want to say thanks to, to Lynn and Reen for their many, many years of service. We're going to have a party for them. And surprises, we'd like to give them the gift to thank them for 30 years of selfless work. They're hoping to raise a few thousand dollars. So my wife and I prayed about it. And we said, you know, we want to be part of this. We want to be part of blessing them. So we wrote a $1,000 check. It was one of the things we gave to last year. 
Well, they collected the money and, and Linda Reen showed up to what they thought was just a party to say thanks. They had no idea what else it was going to be. It turned into a Mr. Holland's opus, if you have not seen the movie. 30 years of people that they had touched, 30 years of people that they had impacted showed up to tell stories. We started coming 30 years ago. And I'm telling you, I would never have known I was loved and cared for, but for the program I was part of and the, 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 the volunteer who loved on me. Oh, and the camp you guys put together. And then there'd be children who were impacted who now had their own children who'd been in camp who were impacted. And for, for an hour and a half, it was just story after story after story. And then they said, we want to say thank you for your years of generous, selfless service. And they had no idea. They said, we have collected money from the people who love you. And here's a check today for $52,000. And their jaws dropped. Now you and I might go, that is not very much to have in your 401k. But that was a game changer for them. And they were trusting God before the $52,000. And they were overwhelmed with generosity. When I got the phone call because I couldn't be there for the event, my parents went. I was so honored and humbled. I didn't say, well, if I got $52,000, that's a lot more than I planned. I want my money back. By emptying myself financially, my joy went up. To hear how much joy they got out of receiving the gift, my joy went up. Giving costly of yourself, emptying yourself replenishes your joy. And that's because the third part of Christmas, is it really happened? It's really expensive. But do you know Christmas is really about you? As weird as that is, God made it about you. The writer says, hey, we're writing to declare to you. We want you to know what we found. We want you to have fellowship, which is the word friendship. We have found friendship with God, not religion, friendship with God. And we can't keep it to ourselves. It's so much joy. We want you to have friendship with us the way we have friendship with God. And so we declare to you, and this was written to a group of people that John was writing to, but God had this particular letter recorded in the whole Bible for all people of all time because he wanted it to be declared to you and I this many years later. That God did what he did for you. He sacrificed for you. He, he was generous for you. He served for you. And if the God of the universe, who's got plenty going on, thought of you, wanting to have friendship with you, then what would it look like for you to look around the world and say, how can I make it about you or you? The child that needs adopted. The single mom that needs support. The impoverished who can't get a break. If God made it about me, then I want to make it about others too. I was listening to a story this week about uh, Boss Rutten. He was the UFC champion. And he'd been bullied as a kid. And he made himself powerful and fearless to the point at which he became the UFC champion of the world. And he was never a fan of religion. He thought all his statues and incense and a bunch of do's and don'ts. But he became friends with Kevin James, King of Queens. Mall Cop, if you remember that movie. They ended up doing a movie together called Here Comes the Boom. Well, one day they were talking, and Kevin James said, Hey, boss, how about coming to my house for cigars and beers, and let's just hang out. So they hang out together, talking life, talking about success, the pros and cons of success, some of the things you, you gain, some of the things you lose with success. He says, You know, have you ever found kind of a deeper meaning or purpose to life? Well, yeah, a little bit. What do you mean? I heard a speaker recently that really helped me in my own life find a deeper sense of significance. Is that of interest to you at all? I said, well, do you think I'd like it? I think you would. Well, you know what I like. Let's go along. So they went together to hear a Christian speaker talk about the message of Christmas and the message of the Bible. It wasn't about statues and incense. Those are fine things to be part of it. But it's really about life, joy, 
peace. God says you're enslaved to your need, your addiction to numbers, your addiction to your status, your addiction to your titles. God God says you're you're enslaved to your anger, and I want to help you get out of enslavement. And boss is like, I'm not enslaved to anything. But he thought about that the next couple weeks. I was like, you know, maybe I'm enslaved to my ambition or enslaved to my need for independence. Or maybe I'm enslaved to my anger. I haven't been able to crack this thing. I can beat up everything except my own anger. And he and Kevin began to keep talking about it. And they got into a Bible study together. And Boss Rudin, for the first time in his life, began to say, wow, the Bible really is about joy and peace. I could use more of that. I don't need more statues. And he became a follower of Jesus. And he said, I didn't become a different personality. I'm still Boss Rudin. I can still beat you in the ring. But I can tell there's something new happening in me because I'm having a friendship with God. So what does it mean to empty yourself this season? If it really happened... If it was really about you, what would it be like for you to empty yourself for others this Christmas season? The main message the Bible would say, instead of coming to God and saying, look at all the good things I've done, accept me. Empty yourself as saying, they're not quite as great as I think they are. God, I want to empty myself of what I'm doing right. And I want to receive what you've done right. Because here's the main message of the Bible. You don't do good things to get his approval. He gives you his approval, therefore you want to do good things. If you do good things to get his approval, you've never done enough. It's just always more, 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 not enough, not enough, not fear did I do enough, I'm really going to heaven, wish, 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 hope, hope, hope. But if you receive that through his poverty you became rich, you became a child of God, you're in favor with God. If that really clicks and you go, oh, my truest identity is that God died for me, loves me, accepts me based on what he has done, not what I have done. Why would you not want to serve other people? Why would you not want to do unto others the way the God of the universe has done unto you? So emptying yourself might be getting this idea The second thing might be apologizing. Maybe emptying yourself is saying, I need to own some things I've done, and I need to make some things right this Christmas season. You need to empty yourself of pride or arrogance. Maybe you need to go and say, you know what, I I haven't done the right thing, and I've got a good reason why. Maybe there's somebody who who needs mercy in your life, and you haven't given that mercy, because you know what they deserve. And emptying yourself is emptying your right to be angry, emptying your right to take revenge. You need to empty yourself. And when you take that bitterness out and that anger out, you know what's going to happen? More joy is going to come. If you'll take and empty yourself of that. Maybe this Christmas season, you need to extend to some family member on the Christmas table some grace and mercy. I had to do that a few weeks ago. You guys have heard me talk before. About five years ago, I reconciled with my brother after not talking to him for seven years. But for the most part, the last five years, it's been pretty shallow. But it's been communication. So about two weeks ago, I felt like God was prompting me to extend grace to him, being generous to him, even though I don't think he deserves it, and to give him mercy, not giving him what I thought he deserved. So he calls me on the phone and says, I want to talk about why you didn't invite me to your daughter's wedding. And he's right, I didn't. He gets on the phone. I'll summarize an hour conversation here. I said, well, is this a conversation where you're going to tell me why I'm a bad brother and you're going to punish me for the next half hour? Or is this say, hey, I want to be more involved in your life conversation and, hey, bad things happen that got us here, but I want to change the direction because I'm excited about that conversation. I said, I'll, I'll engage in both. And this last year, God's done a lot of work in me and not being addicted to people's approval. So I can now enter into conflict and still be nice and diplomatic, but I'm bringing truth to bear in a way that I couldn't before or, or was enslaved to before. So we have this very difficult, challenging conversation. 
And I'll summarize it by saying, well, if you really want clarification, I did invite one because I didn't think you're interested because you never reach out to me. The only time you do reach out to me is to tell me when I'm doing something wrong. Third, I could only have 100 people at the wedding. And until enough people said no, you were the fourth tier of people we're going to invite. And we didn't get no Fourth tier, basic human dignity says that you, you invite your brother. I said, honestly, I'm surprised. Let me ask you this. I asked my daughter, should we invite Ryan to the wedding? And here's what my daughter said, and I quote, Why would we invite him to the wedding? Someone who's never shown any interest in my life. Period. I said, Ryan, have you texted, called, or initiated any communication with my children for the last decade? No. Should I tell them to expect a call or text in the next decade? Quote, I don't want to get their hopes too high. (laughs) So I got a good reason to not be gracious or merciful. But God's like, do unto him as I've done unto you. At least give a chance. I said, well, hopefully now you understand why I didn't invite you. But listen, here's my son's phone number. Here's my daughter's phone number. You are missing out on a friendship with three of the most incredible kids. I'd like them to know you. In fact, my son's a lot like you. And every time I see him, what I love about my son is what I love about you. And I'd love to have a relationship again. But it needs to be two-way or it's not a relationship. And after this very long, difficult conversation that I found some freedom in my own life and was able to extend grace and mercy because of what God did to me, my brother and I have been texting back and forth for the last few weeks in a way that we haven't for the previous five years. I don't know where that story is going to lead. But I know this. I was able to be generous to him because God had been generous to me. So I don't know what it looks like for you, but God, the whole Christmas story is about joy. Remember, even the wise men, they show up. What did they say? I saw the star. God's coming among us. And they're filled with joy. Not just little joy. Exceedingly abundant joy. Great joy. That's not stuff you conjure up yourself. I need a joy that comes from God. As Paul says, the kind of joy that gives you comfort when you're going through trials. I didn't enjoy that conversation at all. But my joy was filled that I was obeying God, that I was doing unto others to say thanks for what he'd done unto me. I want you to have replenishing joy by giving of yourself financially, giving of your time, giving of grace, giving of forgiveness this Christmas season. I want you to wake up every day and experience everything you have as a gift from God. Because you've talked to anyone who goes on our mission trips. Whether it's City Gospel on Sunday nights. Or whether it's Happy Church. Or whether it's around the world with City Gospel. Uh, sorry, with, the, with our Belize teams. Or our, our Cancun teams. Or back to back. They all say the same thing. Those people see everything. Everything is a gift from God. They're happier with their nothing. Than I'm happy with my everything. And just to show you what exceedingly abundant joy looks like. I want you to watch this last video and imagine if every day you saw everything through the lens of it being a gift from God. Let's watch. See, the message of grace is that you don't feel entitled to everything you have. You really can see them all as gifts. In fact, thinking about being thankful about shoes, we had another group of uh, junior high and high school students that went down to Happy Church about four months ago. And there was a girl who grew up in Appalachia and she was always embarrassed that she couldn't afford shoes when she went to school. And because of the work in that area, Happy Church and others, you know, loving on her and being generous to her, she's now become a very successful um, model. So every year around August, she writes a check to Happy Church for $5,000. 
And she asked, and our team got a chance to do that this year. They went out with $5,000, and they bought shoes for every kid in Appalachia so they could go to school with shoes for the first time on their, on their uh, new school season. There's somebody who said, somebody was generous to me because of what God did to them. Now that I've got resources, I want to be generous to others. May this be a Christmas season where you see everything as a gift. And speaking of gifts, the gift we want to give you this next weekend is a gift of nine Christmas Eve services. And we want to make room for you and all of your friends. We have no Saturday service because we're slackers. But then we'll do three on Sunday and we're going to do six then on Monday. If you have not got tickets yet, they're complimentary. Uh, we have t- tickets available right now for the 6 o'clock and the 7 o'clock on Christmas Eve. You can get those at the rear atrium. If you come on Sunday, if you've got tickets for Sunday, these are not our usual times. It's 9, 10, and 11. They're on the hour, not off the hour. If you have extra tickets you picked up but you don't need, please return them or call into the office and say, hey, we're not going to use 4 or 5. That allows us to give tickets. We want to make sure everyone has their first or second choice, and that allows us to do that. Right now, there's tickets available for the 6 and 7. We look forward to seeing you for Christmas, and have a happy, happy new year. Thanks so much. Thank you.